Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Got a great show planned for you today. Rob Blue is going to be my first guest. Bring him on in just a minute. Dr. Alex McFarlane is joining me as well in this hour. Hour two is going to be part five of In the Beginning with Jeff Ferdorn. So that's the program for today. I'm very excited for all of it and I can't wait to bring Rob on. He is, of course, the executive editor at the Daily Signal and he's uh, my Washington, D.C. correspondent. Hello, Rob. It's great to be back. Thank Good you. Good to be here, Bill. These weeks we go our... Yeah, I know. It, it, just, it just seems like I was talking to you yesterday, I know. doesn't it? That's what I love about <laughs> That's what I love about a weekly guest is that I love the familiarity. And there's so much happening once again in our world. I, I don't know where we want to start. I would imagine we could start with the um, Ukraine and Russia update, what you have for us. Sure. Well, the big news, of course, over the weekend was uh, President Biden's trip to Poland, where he uh, delivered what what many were saying was uh, was something he shouldn't have said. Uh, he, he made some comments uh, at the end of a speech uh, suggesting that there should be a regime change in Russia. And he spent the last couple of days here in Washington, uh, he and his uh, his aides trying to walk that back, even if he says uh, he, he's he's not actually doing that. Uh, the United States is not calling for a regime change in Russia, uh, despite the fact that uh, obviously many people are frustrated with Vladimir Putin and his leadership of that country. Uh, but uh, we find ourselves in a situation today where it's unclear. The, the Russians uh, have, have announced that they are are pulling back from hmm. Kiev, the capital. Um, some have questioned whether or not it, that is a, a strategic move on their part or if it's disinformation. Maybe they're saying that publicly but have other military intentions uh, privately. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll just be something to closely watch and, and monitor. But obviously, you know, the, the images that we continue to see on our TV screens are just devastating. The, the buildings that have been destroyed, the lives that have been shattered, um, you know, it, it seems that uh, some of the, the cities, Odessa, Mariupol, are in taking the brunt of the, the Russian assault right now. But the Ukrainians continue to hold firm. Uh, it's clear that Vladimir Putin uh, never expected this much resistance. I think he expected the Ukrainian people to welcome uh, the Russians, uh, and uh, and they have not done so uh, at all. And uh, it's it's very uh, very difficult, Bill. Um, I think for for those of us who who want peace in the world to see what's going on. But uh, this is uh, this is what Putin does. Those pictures, Rob, are so disturbing. And I don't know what history will tell us about when cities like that get leveled. And let's say peace is restored and Ukrainians can re- return to these cities. How long does it take to rebuild a, a city like that? Is it 20, 20 years, 30 years? How long does it take? I would imagine, you know, to the extent that uh, you're talking about building back a whole city, uh, yeah. it would take decades. Bill. Yeah, I, mean, I assume. It's, it certainly would. Um, I mean, r- remember, I mean, they, what they build the Empire State Building in, in, in a remarkable record time, but that was a different era. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, live in a, we live at a time today when it seems that it's because of building codes and everything else, it just takes a long time to, to get things back to normal. But the other thing that I think we have to consider in all of this is the significant number, the millions of Ukrainians who have left the country. And we don't know if they'll ever come back. So mm-hmm. some of these cities will never be like they, they once were, uh, simply because uh, those people might find a new home in Poland or Hungary or, or other countries in, in Europe. 
or maybe even here in the United States. Um, so, you know, they will, they will, um, you know, take, U- Ukraine will take a long time, I think, to recover from, from Putin's actions here. And I think that that's part of his intent. He wants to uh, demoralize the population there. I think he was expecting that the leader, President Zelensky, would quickly retreat, uh, similar to what we saw in Afghanistan uh, last year. Uh, but that's not been the case. Uh, he's held firm and, uh, and he's basically said to Putin, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Rob, when you hear that, you know, there could be a possible uh, withdrawal or a retraction and you say, we don't know if we can trust that. How do we get verification? How do we get good, solid uh, information as to what is actually happening? Well, so obviously, if there's uh, if there's an ability to use drones or other mm-hmm. uh, equipment to, to detect if if the Russians are actually moving troops, uh, you know that is uh, that is one indication uh, to to suggest whether or not uh, they're actually holding true to their word. Um, you know, there are other things I think we we, we can pick up on. What is uh, what is it that Putin and uh, the the Russian the state controlled uh, media are telling the people? Uh, obviously, there has been a big disinformation campaign taking place in Russia. They they do not want the truth getting out because if uh, if the people of Russia know how badly this is going for the Russian military, uh, they might themselves start to question their their own leadership. And I think a lot of Russians probably already do, but uh, Putin could have a situation on his hands where uh, you know his people are turning against him. And so it's difficult to assess. Uh, there, this is uh, one of the things that the Russians have been masterful at is is using a. Uh, uh, this d- disinformation campaigns um, to their advantage, and that's how Putin has been able to hold power for as long as he has. Well, I think in Russia must be really tough for the people living there as well. Oh, I imagine it is. Uh, if you think about the economic sanctions that European countries and the United States mm-hmm. have, have put on Russia, I mean, it's uh, uh, the, the, the the ruble, the the Russian money, you know, is is basically worthless, and uh, and and obviously it's just difficult now. The Chinese, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, have have come in and attempted to to make amends uh, where uh, they can with the Russians and help them out uh, to a certain extent. But I, I think that that's probably a relationship that's more uh, a matter of convenience right now. Uh, neither one is particularly friendly to the United States. I wouldn't necessarily describe them as allies, but they they find some uh, some mutual. Um, uh, beneficiaries here in, in terms of working together. Mm-hmm. The pundits who are um, familiar with Russian life say that the Russian people are saying this is this is not our war. This is this is Putin's war. Well, that that is true. I mean, it, it, Putin has said for a long time that the breakup of the Soviet Union uh, was one of the the greatest calamities of the last century. So, I mean, he certainly uh, feels strongly about uh, about bringing these. Uh, former Soviet bloc countries back into the fold. And I, that's why I think he was starting with Ukraine, not only because it is strategically positioned there. Uh, think about it. Uh, if uh, if he was able to take control of Ukraine, he will be right on the border of more NATO countries, mm-hmm. uh, more confrontational. Uh, uh, Putin's also somebody who seems to uh, love chaos. And uh, and that is something that certain certain leaders, and I, I would say that, you know, the, the Xi Jinping in China is 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 the opposite in that, in, to that effect. I mean, he seems like he likes everything under control and 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 to go according to plan. And I think that one other important calculation here is what does this ultimately mean for for Taiwan? Taiwan is watching very closely what happens in Ukraine, not only how the world rallies uh, to the Ukrainian people, but also how difficult it has been for Putin to con- uh, to, to execute a conventional war here. Uh, it's going to be even more challenging, I think, for the Chinese to do that against Taiwan, which, of course, has a water barrier in, in between it and the mainland of China. 
Mm-hmm. Rob Louie is my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. So, Rob, what did we learn from these Supreme Court confirmation hearings? Well, as most Supreme Court confirmation hearings go, not a whole lot. Okay. Uh, a lot of dodging questions and, uh, and other things. But there were a few standout moments, uh, and, and one of them was just really a big head-scratcher when Senator Marsha Blackburn asked uh, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson to define woman, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, Bill— uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult <laughs> for, yeah. for somebody to uh, to give a definition. And she said she couldn't. And when asked why, she said because she wasn't a biologist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's a, a head scratcher because as you and I've had these conversations about particularly those on the left and some in the media who are really trying to blur the lines between our sexes, men and women, uh, you know, this is a disturbing pattern. And if you have a justice on the Supreme Court who subscribes to to some of these beliefs about uh, transgender individuals, I mean, certainly I expect those cases would, would come before the court under her, uh, under her supervision and watch. Uh, and then there were a few other moments. Uh, for instance, she refused to condemn court packing. Court packing, of course, when the president wants to add, increase the number of seats on the Supreme Court uh, to uh, appoint justices who would be more favorable to his, his policies and positions on issues. Um, that was a, a red flag that uh, Senator McConnell uh, had, had put out. And, uh, and f- frankly, there were just some other things that came up with regard to her record on, on crime, her record on illegal immigration, that uh, conservatives really tried uh, to, to articulate. And uh, as uh, so far, it appears that the Democrats are, are unwilling to, to budge. They're going to um, confirm her as, as a block of uh, 50 and probably will require the 51st vote coming from uh, the vice president, although... The White House apparently is holding out hope that, that a few Republican senators may still be able to, uh, to secure their votes uh, in her favor. But uh, that's probably not going to be anything we see until next week. Mm-hmm. Relative to Marsha Blackburn's question, let's do a little armchair quarterbacking here. Do you have any follow-up questions that you would have asked? I would have said, <laughs> I would have said it, let me ask you this. Is your mother a woman? And right. are, are yeah. you a woman? Because now I think we're making progress. Yeah. Well, and again, I think the reason that it was it was so absurd, the answer is that if you asked, you know, a, a kindergartner, frankly, or anybody who, who you know, knows just the, the, the basics of, uh, of boys and girls and men and women, they could have given you an answer better than than her answer. And so I, I was actually wondering, Bill, if she had been prepared for that question or if it was really her spur of the moment answer. Because, you know, they spend hours uh, doing what they call murder boards, where they ask you any question that uh, they can possibly imagine. And uh, that'd be interesting to find out if she was asked that question in advance and, uh, and whether or not she, uh, you know, she had a, an answer that uh, was prepared or that was just really the best she could come up with at that point in time. I think it surprised her, Rob, to be honest. I think that came out of left field because whenever anybody repeats a question, it indicates that you've asked a sensitive question. That's true. Can you yeah. define a woman? Can I define a woman? Well, that you've just been asked, you've asked someone a sensitive question and they're buying a little bit of time to figure out how they're going to answer. Right. And, and, and of course, this comes up, uh, as, as, your, as your listeners know, in the context of, of days after Leah Thomas, uh, the biological male uh, pen swimmer, uh, won all sorts of races uh, at, the, at the swim meet. Um, and so, you know, it was front and center in the, the minds of the American people. So I, t- to your point, I mean, it, it's not exactly like it, it came out of nowhere. I mean, this was a major national True. news story just days before. True. Rob Bluey is my guest. Do you have a question for him? Let me know what it is. Send it over. You can text it to 
877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Also, check my email, which is bill at myfaithradio.com if you would like to do email. We'll be right back. executive editor at the daily signal and just during the break rob i was talking to rosie my producer and i said do you freak out a little bit when you go to fill up the car and she said oh yeah and you know what was once 36 or 38 is now 63 and she said her tank wasn't completely empty it's it's amazing you know we we took a road trip uh to, to pittsburgh over the weekend my my grandfather was inducted posthumously into the soldiers and sailors Hall of Valor, uh, right there in, in Pittsburgh. He was cool. a, a lifelong native of, of Pennsylvania, and they honor uh, veterans uh, every year. And uh, and uh, so I had obviously the opportunity to fill up my tank, <laughs> making a four and <laughs> yes, a half hour did. trip trip from uh, from the Washington area. And yeah, it's uh, it's sticker shock uh, for for everybody. And it, fortunately, it seems to have 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 stagnated at this this high high price. Um, Obviously, it comes after the United States has decided to take take a stand and and cut off uh, Russian oil. But conversely, we just haven't seen the the push from the Biden administration to increase our own domestic production. And so we could we in fact we had Senator Marco Rubio speaking at the Heritage Foundation uh, today about this uh, this great rivalry with China. And one of the things that Senator Rubio, who who's obviously um, very knowledgeable about foreign policy and sits on the Intelligence Committee, is that. We could easily make up for uh, the loss of the Russian oil uh, by a matter, you know, fourfold. Uh, mm-hmm. But it simply takes the, the Biden administration to remove some of the regulations and restrictions that they've put on domestic production bills. So I, I, I would think that being that we're in an election year, they'd like the price of, of gas and other other goods to come down. But we so far have not seen them take those steps to do it. It's going to be really tough uh, in November if the ga- uh, gas prices are high. Well, you, you better believe, I mean, the mm-hmm. economy is already the number one issue that the American people consistently say poll after poll is uh, first and foremost on their mind. And so inflation is, is out of control at a 40-year high. Uh, we're, we're going to get some more numbers uh, later this week. Uh, the president just put out a budget yesterday, Bill, and it doesn't seem to address anything with regard to, to the, the you know domestic spending. I mean, we've <laughs> we've been talking about this for years under both Republicans and Democrats, and and this the more the government spends, the I feel like the worse inflation gets. Yeah, good point. You know, I've always been a fan of you know no, no, nobody asked me, but I love the idea of being energy independent and then also trying to pursue some other cleaner alternatives. I don't know quite why we gave up our energy independence. Well, that's that's a great point because we we were energy independent, and I think that it should be an all of the above strategy. I love the way that you articulated that because I'm a big believer that there's no reason for us to to 
you know, turn away renewable energy. It's just not developed to the point that it's going to be able to sustain us and, and provide us with the, the heating that we need, the electricity that we need. You know, we're coming up on, on summer, you know, everybody's going to want to be running their air conditioners. So you're going to need that power. And, mm-hmm. and um, um, you know, fossil fuels right now are, are what's driving and able, are, you know, the, giving the United States the ability to, to be able to do all the great things that, uh, that we do in this country. And even, even those electric vehicles, which I'm fully supportive of, and I, I think, you know, for those who, who want to pursue, uh, buy a car like that and, and can afford it, they should absolutely do so. But <laughs> how are those cars made and manufactured and the batteries and everything? I mean, you still need to rely on fossil fuels to get there. So, yeah, it's, uh, it needs to be an all of the above strategy, Bill. And I, I think that if this, uh, this administration took that approach, uh, that would be well received by the American people. Mm-hmm. Question from a listener. Please ask Rob if he thinks the U.S. and EU sanctions will help expose the truth about the Ukrainian invasion to the Russian people who are maybe not getting truth from Russian press. Yeah, well, I mean, there there are a number of things that we could potentially do. I mean, I, I think that uh, th- that's, that's one option. Uh, you know, there for a, decades now, the United States has had Voice of America and, and other initiatives where we try to broadcast into, uh, into countries, uh, Cuba being an example, Russia being another one, that may, you know, uh, restrict the information that its citizens uh, can consume. Uh, Russia has, has made its attempts to, to, to block that. Obviously, we live in a very digital world, and uh, and we know what happens in China already when it comes to social media platforms and and the Great Firewall, as they call it in China. You better believe Russia is employing some of those same tactics to block information uh, from reaching its people, and so that's why it's so important for us to have people there in in Ukraine, uh, as dangerous as it is. Uh, the journalists who are on the front front lines, uh, you know, putting themselves in danger uh, to make sure that the truth gets out, and hopefully, the Russian people. Uh, through whatever means they can, uh, can help discover it. Mm -hmm. Rob, I think it was Monday the Supreme Court declined to hear the case of a religious organization claiming it had the right to refuse to hire individuals who did not share its religious beliefs. Tell us more about that story. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, this is, again, Bill, I think uh, one of those issues that keeps coming before the Supreme Court uh, over and over again, because there are some unsettled questions. And frankly, there are some some government institutions, whether it be states or, or local governments that unfortunately, uh, or, you know, or private businesses in some cases, they, they continue to overstep their authority here and, and disrespect the religious freedom. So uh, obviously, we'd love to have the Supreme Court definitively say, as they have in, in cases like Jack Phillips, uh, the, the baker in Colorado, and others who have talked about, uh, you know, their their religious uh, freedom and their conscious rights and uh, what what they you know should and shouldn't be you know <laughs> forced to do, and uh, and sometimes the justices uh, don't necessarily have the votes uh, to to get there, um, and which is why in in this case they they probably did not take the case. But you know, it's um, it's one of those disturbing issues, and it's one of the issues that I think is is so concerning to the American people because as we see more and more. Uh, Americans turn away from organized religion or going to church or having, you know, lost their faith. Uh, you know, it's, it's reasons like this. Uh, and COVID had a big, big factor in that. I, I mean, I still don't think our, our churches have recovered from, from the, the, pre, to the pre-COVID period. I know, I know mine hasn't. Uh, is, you know, it's still a struggle to get people in the pews on, on Sunday. Uh, I think, uh, w- you know, the government over, overstepped its bounds. And unfortunately, there were some positive court rulings in, in, in those cases. 
But uh, we, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. And for, for your listeners who, who care about this and have those deep Christian, deeply held Christian beliefs, I think it's important that we, uh, we call out uh, those who, who don't want to let us uh, practice our faith. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's really important, Bill. Rob, I know we talk about big tech often because big tech has incredible influence and they have the ability to suppress things that they want to suppress and to eliminate things they don't want people to see. And I can only think of the Hunter Biden laptop from uh, two years ago where they said all of this is uh, Russian disinformation. And now the New York Times has admitted, you know, two years too late, that the materials in the laptop were, in fact, authentic. Yes, I know. Exactly. It, it's, it's really remarkable that, uh, <laughs> that it took this long for, for that to happen. But it, it didn't necessarily come as a major surprise to me or you or anyone who closely followed the story, because I, I think that those, the censorship that we saw in the immediate aftermath of that story was, was not warranted. It was, it was done, I think, uh, in, in a way to aid Joe Biden. Um, and frankly, the polling that was done after the fact, even when you asked Biden supporters if the question, if they had known about the Hunter Biden laptop, which so many of them didn't, would it change the way they voted? And, and I think 5% of those people who said that they voted for Biden uh, would have voted uh, for Trump or somebody else. That could have tipped the election in the other direction. You remember, these, a lot of these states were decided by just tens of thousands of votes. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a major uh, effort on the part of tech companies to suppress information and, and not let the American people see. It was a New York Post story. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a rinky-dink outlet or some, some blogger. I mean, it was uh, a legitimate news story that, uh, that was suppressed. And, um, and fortunately, New York Times has come out and done it. But as is the case with so many of these stories, they get corrected after the fact. <laughs> Bill, so many people will never hear that correction because it doesn't get the type of attention that it did the first go-round. Mm-hmm. Another question, can Rob comment on food prices now and one year from now, please? Well, my colleagues at the Heritage Foundation say that, unfortunately, uh, this is going to be an issue that gets worse before it gets better. Now, a full year out, hopefully, with different policies in place, maybe a different, uh, different leadership in Congress, this administration will be forced to, to change its, uh, its tune when it comes to addressing the inflation problem. But uh, in the short term, I, I do think food prices are going to go up. Uh, remember that uh, these the, the cost of energy and the cost of gasoline is going to have a trickle down effect on our farmers. And as they, particularly you know, as we enter into spring and they start to harvest the land, and I mean, it, it's going to take gasoline and energy to to do that work. And if they're paying more at the pump themselves uh, for the cost of energy, they're going to have to uh, pass that cost along to consumers at the end of the day. So I think food prices probably will go up this summer and fall. And like I say, maybe uh, if Republicans take control of Congress next year, uh, there'll be a check on the administration and they'll have to take a different tack when it comes to their economic policy. Mm-hmm. About 30 seconds left, Rob. Anything, any news out of the CDC that we should know about? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the CDC has major trust issues, Bill, because <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's unfortunately done a lot of damage to itself. I would say for your listeners, uh, just using co- use common sense. I mean, I think it's always good to check in with the CDC, but at the end of the day, I, I trust people to be smart, uh, particularly when it comes to COVID. I think we've lived with this long enough now that we know how to how to adapt and deal with it. I got a new uh, alert today saying there's a new variant of uh, Omicron out there. Uh, just be safe. Uh, use common sense. Yeah. Uh, good hygiene all around. Perfect. Thank you, Rob Bluey. Always a delight to be uh, with you on Tuesdays. Thanks, Bill. You Have bet. a great one. You bet. Rob Bluey's been my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can always head over to dailysignal.com. Take a break. When we come back, Dr. Alex McFarlane is going to be joining me. And boy, do I have a list of questions for him. I can hardly wait. 
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Prime time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Dr. Alex McFarland, you know, is a Christian apologist, author of over 20 books, an evangelist, religion and culture expert, and um, really an advocate for biblical truth, and my friend. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. And uh, may I commend you on having some really, really cool bumper music. Thank you so much. I get that comment often. I, I enjoy that. I appreciate it very much. Now, when did they phase in that, you know, it's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold? Well, I, you know, I, usually you are on in the uh, front half of the hour segment because you're yes. usually on. That's always been at the bottom. So that that always is starting off the next segment of which you have never been in until recently. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so and go. I want to say thank you. Um, it's been, I don't know, quite a number of years. I did for a long time, like you say, the first half of the show, yep. uh, very often on Fridays, yep. and you all have graciously borne with my crazy travel schedule, Yeah. so thanks for accommodating me. Yeah, where is Alex today? Well, uh, Alex today is in San Angelo, Texas. Oh. I just landed like about an hour and a half nice. ago, Nice. which is in cent- Central Texas. I am, if anybody listening knows people uh, down this way or you're going to be this way, I am at First Presbyterian Church of San Angelo, Texas, a very, very beautiful, very historic church. And uh, the pastor, Joel Moore, has graciously invited me, and I'm going to be teaching biblical worldview through Sunday and preaching on Sunday morning. Nice. We're going to do kind of, you know, what's going on in the world through the lens of Scripture, but biblical worldview. I'm also Thursday going to speak at um, San Angelo State University. Uh, I value everybody's prayers. Don't know what I'm going to talk about, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do a uh, give a speech and do a Q&A with the students there and speak at a pastor's lunch tomorrow. So, uh, But, you know, the exciting part of my week, though, is talking to Bill Arnold oh, on the Faith nice. Radio Network. You're nice, Alex. You know, there's often times now with all the chaos in the world and some of the things that we're watching going on in the world, the question is, is God in control? And I think as believers, we should be able to instantly take that comment and turn it around into where do you stand with God? And have you given God control of your life? Yeah, exactly. Uh, reigning in this chaotic world begins with letting the Lord have control of my heart and mm-hmm. my life and every one of us. And yes, you know, God is in control. And yeah, you know, I was reading a survey last week that more and more people, especially with COVID and the war in the Ukraine and so many things going on, a lot of people suddenly are deciding that, hey, maybe I need church and, of course, by extension, maybe I need God. God is in control. The Bible says evil men will wax worse and worse. But, Bill, one of these days, God is going to just raise his hand and say, enough. I agree. I agree. And I, I wonder if we're getting very near that moment when mm. uh, the sovereign Lord hits the pause button on history and says, enough. Mm. Yeah, that makes, that makes, me, uh, makes me on my knees is what it does. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I'd love to talk a little bit about how we need to pray fervently, even when we, do, when we don't feel like it. Oh, I know. And, and let me just say to everybody, and, and by the way, um, you know, anytime I'm kind of uh, sermonizing or up on my little soapbox, I'm <laughs> preaching at Alex here, you know. I'm preaching at Alex McFarland. But the time to run to the Lord and the time to pray 
The time to go to church, the time to do the right thing is when you least feel like it, isn't it, Bill? Usually that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, I've, I've quoted so many verses on your wonderful show, but it, it really is true. Uh, Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. See, C.S. Lewis one time, he made the analogy of reconciling a checkbook. And he said, if you've got a math error, Lewis and his great, you know, inimitable British brogue, he said, it, it's no use to continue doing sums. You have to go back and correct, you know, the, the thing that was overlooked or where the mistake was. And here's the thing, uh, questing after some satisfaction or fulfillment or trying to, you know, improve yourself in this way or that, it, it all begins with Jesus. Seek first. In other words, the primary thing, the foundational thing. Seek first the Lord the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will fall into place. Um, Bill, I'm old enough. I remember when in church we would sing out of the hymn books, and there was this song, and, you know, music speaks to me so much, but it was like, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Um, I just think that uh, the cure for depression overcoming the noise of this world is is coming back to jesus and just thinking about all that we have and our identity in him i mean that's that's the only place we're going to have that stability that satisfaction and that um well like stability in Mm -hmm. in an unstable world is when our identity is in christ Mm -hmm. alex i never fear that i'm going to uh, put you on the spot or make you uncomfortable with some of my questions because I did a little bit of uh, quote gathering from John Owen and I love John Owen. Oh, and I yes. thought I'm going to read these three quotes from him and I would love for you to comment on them. So the first one is the most tremendous judgment of God in this world is the hardening of the hearts of men. Oh yeah. Well, let me say that's, I've always thought that was a, a frightening verse where <laughs> oh, yeah. people's heart became hard and they could no longer discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a word that we don't use too much anymore, and it's the word reprobation. Um, you know, maybe maybe you heard your grandmother talk about somebody say, well, that old reprobate, you know, it's kind <laughs> of like a scatological word. But reprobation is the Christian doctrine that uh, people are given up or turned over to their sinful desires. By the way, folks, John Owen was a Puritan writer, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure you know this, but um, he gets, in my opinion, the Hall of Fame award for the greatest book title in all of history. And uh, do you know the book? Is it uh, The Mortification to... of Sin? Well, no, that's a good one. I like that John one. Owen was a Puritan writer back in the 1600s. I don't know the exact dates of his life, but he he wrote a number of books, but one of his books, and what a book title this is, The Death of Death in the <laughs> Death of Christ. Wow. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus abolished death by the blood of his cross. And Bill, one day I was doing a word study, the word abolish, and this might be in 1 Timothy 1.16, I'm trying to remember, but um, The Death of Death and the Death of Christ, great book title 400 years ago by John Owen, the Puritan writer. But the word abolished is the word unemployed. 
Wow. Jesus put death out of a job. <laughs> he buried the that. grave. That's great. And, and I mean, think about it. We celebrate Easter in just a few <laughs> short weeks. I believe it's going to be on April 17. Mm-hmm. But um, Palm Sunday being um, April 10, and I'll be in Cincinnati, Ohio that day. But folks, the Christian faith can uh, rejoice in something no other belief system has in that our Savior did that thing no mere human could do. He conquered the grave. And uh, that's, I mean, that's worth turning cartwheels over. Jesus is alive. And one of my favorite verses is John six forty. Jesus said, whoever sees the Son, S-O-N. Now, to see the Son is to comprehend not only who he is, but who I am and how I need to turn to him and believe. Jesus said, whoever sees the Son and believes in him, will have everlasting life, and I will raise you up at the last day. How can Jesus promise to raise us up? Well, he raised himself up because God has that power of life over death. Amazing, all that we have in our Savior. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready for quote number two? This is from May I? Yes, John please. Owen. My guest, of course, is Dr. Alex McFarland, and I'm just throwing these out if you just joined us, and I'm getting his response to some of these interesting quotes I've gathered over the last week. And this is the second one, Alex. I do not understand how a man can be a true believer in whom sin is not the greatest burden, sorrow, and trouble. I would agree. Yeah, I would too. Um, um, Jesus asked it this way. Uh, Luke six forty six. why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Amen. You know? Amen. Now, C.S. Lewis uh, again, in that pictorial way, he said, man is not a slightly imperfect creature who needs a bit of improvement, New Year's resolutions, or self-help. Lewis said, man is a rebel that must lay down his arms. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I die daily. And uh, um, let me think here. Another one of these Puritan. do you mortify? Do you bury sin? Um I'm trying to think. Oh, it'll come to me here in just a minute. It's coming to me. But this one particular writer, he said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Yeah, that's John Owen from Mortification of Sin book. Is it? Yeah. Where, where he asks, do you mortify? Yes. Uh, yes. Make it your daily business. Yes, because, exactly. see, the thing is, we we just don't treat sin as seriously as as was done in previous generations. That's so true. And people don't want to talk about sin very often, and especially um, it's getting to be um, a more difficult topic because it's so unpopular nowadays. Well, and I've got to say this. One of the, one of the hallmarks of the, the last days is the emergence of the apostate church. Mm-hmm. Now, the word apostasy, just like reprobation, means like deadness. You know, can't feel, can't discern, just your heart can no longer hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and, you know, different people differ on this, but if a person is in a state of reprobation, they they might not have died yet, maybe they've not expired, but they're beyond saving. It's not that God couldn't or wouldn't save them, but they will not turn to Christ, no, no longer have that opportunity. And You know, I, maybe this is extreme, but I think of somebody like Charles Manson. I remember, Bill, back in the 80s, Manson, there was talk about uh, parole, would would Charles Manson, you know, get parole when he was up for parole? And, of course, he never did, and he died in jail. But I, there were a time or two in the early 80s when Manson would put out his list 
of people that he would want to kill if he got paroled. And 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 always in the, his top of his list would be like Billy Graham. Well, wow. I mean, when when that's, you know, he was crazy, but he was reprobate, I believe. Now, the, another word that you don't hear in addition to like reprobation, like we were talking about, was apostasy. And the word apostasy is a Greek word that really means like riot or free-for-all. So ta- um, talking about not taking sin seriously, one of the hallmarks of the last days is an apostate church. And um, let me just say, um, it, it, not in all, but in some churches and some denominations, they've become very selective about what they do or do not call sin anymore. And the answer to this, of course, is that we come back to the authority of the Word of God. I mean, and I want to say to all your listeners, don't take the word of man. When you're talking about something as significant as your eternal soul, where you will spend forever, make sure that you build your, your beliefs around the word of God, which is infallible, not the word of man, which could lead you astray. Mm-hmm. Alex, when you talk about the hardening of the heart of men, and that is a judgment of God in this world. What happens when that is the case and that person moves in next door to you and your job as a neighbor is to try to go share the love of Christ with them? Well, I, it's, it's always right to love people. Yeah, that's true. People are an end in themselves. Um, you know, sometimes we've, we humans, we view people as a means to an end. We, we, we value things, but we use people. Mm-hmm. In reality, we ought to use things and value people. And it's always right to show love to people. Um, it's always right to love the person who might seem to be unreachable. Because, see, we don't know. We, we do not know another person's heart. Only God does. And I, I think that we ought to, like the Lord says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, you know, we need to treat everybody as Jesus would treat them because, you know, even I mean, you think about from the cross, the Lord said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was showing love to his executioners. Mm. And so we need to show love to everybody because that's what Jesus would have us do. Now, God knows their heart, whether or not they'll ever believe in the Lord, but We've got to go on the assumption that everybody in our path is somebody that the Lord allowed to be in our life so that we could show them Jesus. Mm. That wisdom is coming from Dr. Alex McFarlane, and after a short break, we'll be right back with him. Don't you think, Alex? Oh, man, that surf music. You know, I love that. <laughs> I know you do. Yes. I already got another question for you. This is a quote uh, from John Owen, a Puritan writer, and I just would love your response to this. And here, here it is. Faith brings forth obedience, and God, in due time, will cause it to bring forth peace. 
Hmm. I agree. I, I really do. Um, faith brings forth obedience. You know, uh, that's like the book of James. I mean, if we really, if we really have put our trust in Jesus, um, our life will bear fruit. Um, you know, we're not saved by works, but if we are saved, good works will follow. And that's, of course, Ephesians 2 as well, mm-hmm. that we're saved unto good works. And, you know, there, there is a peace in that. There's, well, for lack of a better word, satisfaction, you know, fulfillment. Just, uh, do you remember, here's a book I bet you never hear quoted very much, Song of Solomon. I don't, ever. I mean, hardly ever. And there's, in chapter 4, I think it's in verse 10, it talks about um, my beloved pastures with me. And the word pasture there, I mean, we think of a a meadow or a field, but um, let's make it a verb, pasturing. It really means is satisfied with. And, you know, oftentimes we're always questing after something. We men, you know, we've always got to go grab that, you know, chasing the dragon. You know, we get a car, but we want a better car. We accomplish things, but we want to accomplish more. There is a certain um, finality in Jesus, not that we're not achieving or trying to, but, but we understand we're at peace. And faith produces obedience, as John Owen says, but obedience produces peace that we can rest in Jesus. Bill, don't you think a lot of we... 21st century Westerners, we need rest. More than ever. Yeah. Yeah, more than ever. There was a time when there were, there were natural cycles to your day where you worked and then you drove home and you had family time and you had that recreation or that time to read or pray or be with your family. And now you're talking on the phone the whole way home, usually from the office, and you've yes. got 25 emails that you can respond to that night. And you're still getting texts at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And, and you know, our bodies need rest. Our, our brain needs rest. You know? Our, you know, our soul, our psyche, and they're so intertwined, mm-hmm. you know, body, soul, and spirit. But you're right. We don't, we don't get rest. You know, Hebrews 4 talks about if we're a Christian, that we're in the Sabbath rest of the Lord. Now, I want to say, and I don't know, I've, maybe I've got the men listening on my heart. Uh, but Psalm 75 says, Promotion comes neither from the east or from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one. He sets up another. Let me say, um, and and there's a balance, because I believe in working hard and being proactive, of course. But here's the thing. Our destiny is in the hands of the Lord. Mm-hmm. The wisest thing we can ever do is understand that I, the the height to which we fly is is in the hands of a sovereign God, and the wisest thing we can do is to fully yield ourselves to Christ and rest in Christ. Sometimes, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really mean it. Sometimes I think God doesn't want us to work harder, but He wants us to give ourselves permission to rest in Him. Yeah, well said. Well said. All right, Alex, I want to spend like the next five minutes talking about the last John Owen quote. Okay. And uh, is... thank you for doing this. You are such a creative show host. I mean, this is nowhere else but with Bill Arnold uh-huh. do I get to talk about 
a Christian thinker from 400 years ago. <laughs> this is, I, I commend you, my well, friend. Well, thanks. I just will love your, your take on some of these pearls of wisdom. Uh, so this is the last one, and I think we can spend a lot of time on this one. Satan's greatest success is in making people think they have plenty of time before they die to consider their eternal welfare. Wow. Well, Led Zeppelin said it. Um, in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. Do you mm. remember that lyric from oh, Stairway yeah. to Heaven? Oh, yeah. See, the devil would love for you to believe that. You know, I'll think about God later. Um, you know, come again, Paul, at a more convenient time. And that John Owen was brilliant. L- let me say God is merciful. God is exceedingly patient with us. But if anyone is listening to this right now and you're not sure that you've put your trust in Jesus, if you were to die and you stood before God, you are not 1,000% sure that you're ready to meet God, then today call on Jesus. I do not know if you have tomorrow. I do not know if you'll be able to go to church Easter in three weeks. But I know you have this moment right now today, and our mortality comes calling. Think about this, Bill. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Now, there are a lot of appointments you can procrastinate. You, you might not want to go to the dentist, and so you put it off. You put it off. You might not want to go see your accountant or go, go for that physical. You know, we men, you, you turn 50, you're supposed to get some physicals, and we don't want to do that. But I want to tell you, there is an appointment, and you will be punctually there, and that is the date set with your own mortality. Hebrews 9.27. Just think, Bill. God knows the day that we're going to leave this world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are people that woke up this morning, went to work. They're finishing up their day right now, and they don't know it, but they're not going to live to see midnight. I hope they're ready to meet God. Mm-hmm. Now, God is loving and patient, but um, life is a gift. We do not own anything. Rush Limbaugh, okay, regardless of what you thought of Rush Limbaugh, he, he was very wise. He said, talent on loan from God. Mm-hmm. In other words, even our talents, our life is not our own. And so life is lent to us for a while. And then God, the, the one, the owner, calls it in. So in this brief window of time that we call life, um, and again, I want to quote C.S. Lewis. Somebody said to Lewis once, so, well, it's just not fair. I mean, some people die very young, other people die very old. C.S. Lewis said, we all have the same amount of time in which to choose Christ, a lifetime. Mm. Oh, I love now, that. From, yeah. From our human perspective, it, it seems um, some lifetimes are brief, some lifetimes are long. But, I mean, even I saw in the news uh, a month ago a person that was lived, and they, as far as they knew, this lady was 113. We say, wow, that is a long lifetime. But even the longest of human lives are still finite mortals. In your finite window of time, prepare for the eternity that is infinite. And so uh, we need to be ready. Hey, um, how much time do we're out of time, Bill? Oh, we've got about a minute and a half. I read something so cool. I was reading John 16, 7 through 16. Jesus is going to go to the cross, rise, ascend. He said, it is expedient that I go away because I'll send the Holy Spirit. 
I'm sure everybody's familiar with that passage. So I thought, oh, expedient. Well, other translations render it, it's to your benefit. So I looked that up in the Greek. Okay, we all know, now think about this, Christian, and God wants to use you. God gives spiritual gifts, encouragement, prayer, faith, teaching, administration, a lot of gifts. Well, the Holy Spirit imparts to all believers some spiritual gifts. Do you know what the word is? Symphonic. Now, in a symphony, regardless of the instrument you play, you watch the conductor, and all the, a lot of different instruments, but beautiful music, because they play from the same score, and they watch the conductor. Jesus, the word, it is symphonic that I go away, because I'll send the Holy Spirit, who will build the church, convert the souls, impart the gifts. Isn't it something that everybody's got their instrument, quote-unquote, their role to play, the score, the sheet music, that's the Word of God. The conductor, that's Jesus, the Lord of the church. Let's each play our part. Ah, what a great thought, Alex. Thank you so much. And I will pray for you this weekend as you teach and study and train. And I look forward to hearing from you in a couple of weeks. You, Bill, you're wonderful, my Thank dear you. brother, and Faith Radio as well. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You can go to alexmcfarland.com learn more about Alex. We take a little break, and then, of course, our two's ahead. We're going to rejoin Jeff Verdorn as we continue our study in the beginning. We're at part five. We're going to talk about fossils and evidence from the flood. That's all next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.